This is Neo420 Talks, the podcast speaking truth against the lies. Thank you God for raising me up to see another day today. Thank you again for the blessings that you've given us in loving me. Thank you for the saving grace of your glorious son becoming my savior, my Lord and my King. Hallelujah. Thank you for everything almighty God. I love you so much. I hope you're doing well today, brothers and sisters. We've got to stay prayed up. Stay repenting every day. Let God know that you know that you're falling short. It's not, you don't have to be ashamed of it. Just go to God in repentance. That is honest repentance, honest in who you are. Be honest with yourself, brothers and sisters. Continue to read your Bible and tell everybody that'll listen about the glorious name that we call Jesus Christ. Get to know him. He'll change your life. He said, the lust of these lusts shall pass away, but he that doeth the will of God shall abide forever. And he named all three of those lusts. They'll pass away. But if you're doing the will of God, you will abide forever. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Esau, remember, sold his birthright for a mess of pottage or a mess of beans. He was hungry. And all he could think about was satisfying his hunger. Jacob wanted his birthright and he sold it. And it says, and he did eat and drink and rose up and went on his way. And many times you've done the same thing. Esau thought nothing of the moment. Now the years came and went and he sobbed and he wept bitter tears because of that one moment that he wanted food more than he wanted his birthright. And how many of us have made a shipwreck of our life in one moment? Just a moment of time. Just a compromise here or there with our body. And we've lived to regret it a thousand times over. Or Samson, the strongest man in history, defeated an entire army with the jawbone of an ass. He defeated a lion in battle. But another lion the lion of his own body he could not control. Beautiful Delilah lured him into her arms and destroyed him. He was destroyed by lust and the wrong use of sex. Then in our generation, we have something sort of new, new in a way, 
and that is drugs, the drug culture. When I was a boy, we never thought of such things. We never heard of them. But today we have the pushers and we have the people flying planes in loaded with them. And they're destroying the youth of our country. Then there's the problem of sex. And what a problem that is to young people today. A sex-saturated culture. But we have a lot of peer pressure today. The friends and classmates and teammates. In essence, they say conform or get lost. No one enjoys losing their friends. What does the Bible say? Not the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, and lasciviousness. Jude 10 says, These be they who separate themselves, sensual and not having the Spirit of God. The Bible says, Flee fornication. That's premarital sex. Flee. The Bible says we're to run. Get away from the temptation. He that committed fornication or premarital sex sinneth against not only God but your own body. The Bible warns, don't do it. Abstain. You say, well, how can you abstain in our culture? Well, I want to tell you, you can't without Christ. There are not very many people that have the willpower to say no. But if you have Christ in your heart, you'll have the power to say no. There had no temptation taken you, but such is his common demand. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that which you're able, but will with the temptation make a way to escape. There's always a way to escape. God provides it every time to the believer. So there's no excuse for any believer committing that sin. Then there's another sin we don't think much about, but it's a sin that's gluttony. One out of every three adults in this country is believed to be overweight. Now some can't help it. It's a glandular problem, perhaps. Or they inherit it from their parents. It's in the genes somehow. But I do know that the Bible speaks about it a number of times. Daniel in Babylon purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's meat. Philippians 3, the apostle Paul says, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, and whose glory is their shame. And he warned against it. Now we have the body. Are you ready to present your body a living sacrifice to God tonight? That's what he demands if you're to follow him. If you're to come to the cross and have your sins forgiven and follow Christ, you must present your body a living sacrifice to God and say, Lord, here's my appetites, here's my lust, here's my body, my eyes, my hands, my feet, my private members, all yours. Then the second thing is your mind, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. 2 Corinthians 10. Now, no American has an IQ above 180. Only a dozen have about 180. Only 3,000 have 170. 5,000, 160. 15,000, 150. And a million, 140, and so on down. But God is going to hold you accountable for the mind he has given you, whatever your IQ. Somebody said a penny for your thoughts but your thoughts are worth far more than a penny in God's sight. The true wealth of your life is in your thoughts. How rich are you? 
the literature, the television, the radio are competing for your thoughts constantly. There was a classified ad in a newspaper which read, for sale, Encyclopedia Britannica, never used. My wife knows it all. the Bible says to study to show yourself approved unto God a workman that needed not to be ashamed we ought to be studying and reading the Bible all the time in all of our spare moments and I'm convicted sometimes when I turn the TV on and watching some program that I can't even remember and there's the Bible lying closed beside my bed or beside my chair because I know it's wrong and I have to confess it I'm to study constantly all my life the Word of God. You see, an idle mind is the devil's workshop. Give your mind to Christ. The scripture says, he that ruleth his spirit is greater than he that taketh the city. Your mind is a heaven or a hell all the time. Which is it? When you come to Christ, you must bring your mind to him. There's a lot in the scripture to say about the mind. He's to be Lord of the mind. And Paul wrote to the Philippians and said, whatsoever things are true, Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. That's what you're to be thinking about. Pure, lovely, righteous, God. That will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Keep our minds on Christ. Many minds here tonight are filled with pride and anger and envy, jealousy, lust, the remedy is to let Christ take control of the mind and bring every thought into his captivity. Paul taught, we have the mind of Christ and exhorted, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy mind. Evil thoughts are the suicide of the soul. The Bible speaks of those who have hostile minds, minds that are blinded, reprobate minds, doubtful minds, carnally minded or shaken in mind, or troubled in mind, or double-minded man. Some have blown their minds on drugs. The Bible promises that we can be transformed by the renewing of our minds. You can have your mind tonight transformed. You can have it renewed and surrendered to Christ. And the peace of God will keep your mind. Habakkuk promises, then shall his mind change. The Lord has actually asked you to change your mind. See, He doesn't ask you to change your heart. He asks you to change your mind. That's repentance. Change your mind, He'll change your heart. Change your mind and He will come in and regenerate you and you will be a born-again person. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. We read in Acts 26 that when they would come to Him, they changed their minds. It will change when you have the humility of mind and the readiness of mind, the willingness of mind to give your whole life to Christ. Paul told the Corinthians that there must be of a willing mind. Are you willing that your mind be surrendered to Christ tonight? Let him control your thinking processes. Control the things you read, the things you watch, the things you do. Then the third, the body, the mind, the heart. The Bible says in Proverbs 6 that you have a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. 
Jeremiah 17 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I have a deceitful heart. I can't trust my heart. My heart was sick till I came to Christ. Jesus said, For within, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts and adulteries and fornications and murders and thefts and covetousness and wickedness and deceit and lasciviousness and blasphemy and pride and foolishness. All these evil things, he said, defile a man. You don't have to appoint a new committee to find out what's wrong with the world. It's the human heart and the human mind and the human body. It's man. Man is what is wrong. The human heart is a volcano, and the Bible teaches that it's far from God. This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. I want you to think about that a moment. You draw close to Christ with your lips, with your profession, with your mouth, but your heart is far from it. Singing on Sunday morning, all hail the power of Jesus' name, and you're thinking about a deal that you've got on Monday. You see, you're singing the songs of Zion, but your heart is still somewhere else. Is that true of you? How many of us are really hypocrites? If you want to just call it what it really is and what Jesus called it, because Jesus' great fight was with the religious leaders of his day. He didn't fight with the sinners. He loved them. It was with religious people. And I wonder if he came to Central Florida tonight, what he would say, who he would talk to. Would he talk to church people and say, oh yes, you go to church and you have a lot of religiosity, but you don't have the real thing. Your body, your mind, your heart doesn't really belong to me 100%. He demands 100%. The Bible teaches that you have a rebellious heart. In Jeremiah 5 it says, But this people have a revolting and a rebellious heart. They're revolted and gone. When we read the Ten Commandments and read the Sermon on the Mount, we say, I don't want to keep that. I can't keep that. Of course you can't. Nobody in this audience can keep the Ten Commandments. In fact, you can't even keep one commandment. Nobody in this audience has kept even one commandment. You say, well, Billy, I've never committed adultery, haven't you? Jesus said, if you look on a woman or a person of the opposite sex and have lust in your heart, you've already committed it. I've never killed anybody, but if you ever hated or been jealous of someone, you've broken that commandment. Then, but then the scripture says, suppose you have done pretty well with all of them. If you break just one commandment, tell one little lie. You've broken all the commandments. And to break the commandments is the definition of sin. Sin is a transgression of the law. And you have broken the law of God. And all of us have to say to God as we stand in front of the cross, I'm a sinner. I have to say it. You have to say it. Everybody here has to say it. I am a sinner. We've broken God's law. And then the Bible says your heart can be hardened. Pharaoh hardened his heart. Now God knows the heart. He knows your heart. You don't have to sit and try to tell him and rationalize the whole thing. He knows it already. Shall not God search this out for he knoweth the secrets of the heart? Psalm 44. He knows the secrets of your heart. 
He knows what you're hiding. He knows the things you've swept under the rug. He sees all of that. He knows the hypocrisy of it all. And he pronounces, I, the Lord, search the heart. He said, I try the heart in Jeremiah 17. I search your heart. Think of God searching your heart tonight in my heart. What does he find there? We would be afraid to stand before God and face the judgment with him searching our hearts and knowing our record unless we had been to the cross and been provided with a righteousness that was not our own that Christ provides by his death on the cross and by his resurrection from the dead.